Savage. What's going on, Savages? How are we? Welcome back to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Rulichuru. That's my Japanese name if you watch a lot of anime. Jeffroy uh, Leash is my French name if you perhaps enjoy Gallic films of the 1950s. Or just Jeffrey Leach if you're watching Braveheart and you want to scream my name instead of, you know, the Braveheart guy. Anyway, uh, thank you very much to all of the supporters. We've got loads of people over at patreon.com slash savage snowflake. Remember, if you want to donate as little as $1 a month, you can do that at patreon.com slash savage snowflake. Support this fucking podcast. Support your content creators. Come on, mate. This is my job. This is what I do. Without you guys, there is no podcast. So uh, consider going across there, maybe throwing five bucks in a kitty, maybe 10 bucks a month, maybe 35 bucks, like uh, Dan TB. He does $35 a month. To support and have his beautiful little face here. I've drawn him as a, a centaur, as you can see at the back there. And I'll do the same for you as one of the perks for our Patreon. Uh, of course, thank you very much to Manscaped.com as well. One of our fantastic sponsors. I'm wearing the t-shirt today. Underneath this is a perfectly quaffed chest hair. How, you ask? Using the lawnmower 2.0. That's right, I'm a hirsute gentleman. Sometimes I need to trim down that chest hair. And the downstairs areas as well. Keep them fresh and lovely for your lady folk or gentleman folk. I don't care who's sucking your balls. All I do know is they won't want to do it if it's covered in scraggly, dirty testicle hair. So get your guests to uh, manscaped.com. Use code SAVAGE. You'll get 20% off all of their items. You'll get a free leather travel bag worth $49.99 and free shipping on every single order. And thank you very much as well to Boundless Technology over here on the uh, other side of the screen. They're wonderful purveyors of the finest vaping technology. If, like me, you enjoy a little smoke, maybe a little flower, a little herb, a little resin, or a little distiller, they've got all of the apparatus you could ever hope to get. You've got stuff that can clip onto the end of your bongs. You've got standalone pieces like the Terra, the CF710, the CF720, and a whole wealth of other wonderful vaping technologies over there. Head to bndlstech.com. That's boundlesstech.com. And use code SAVAGE for 25% off all of their wonderful items. You can't say fairer than that. Joining me today, a wonderful comedian who I've just had the, the, the fortune of performing with at a show only, was it last week? Yeah, it was just last week. Julie Austin, how are you? Good, how are you? Good to have you here. Well, first of all, you've been stood outside for 20 minutes. Yep, you made me stand outside. Everyone I, felt I, very bad for me. Uh, they must have thought I was a scorned lover who just wouldn't get over it. I want my jacket back. <laughs> Um, I uh, I feel very apologetic. <laughs> I'm very sorry. But it's because so I okay. we had some terrible miscommunication over Instagram. Mostly me not giving the communication I should have done. <laughs> I giving you my phone number to know where the hell you were meant to it's get okay. into the building. You didn't give the apartment number, but didn't I didn't even give the apartment number. I either. didn't ask because I thought maybe he's rich and he has a house, and I shouldn't insult him by assuming I'm he a lives fucking comedian. You a think, if I was rich, you think I'd be doing a podcast? But he used to do television hosting or something, didn't you? Mm, 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 mm. Lots of it, and I spent all that money on cocaine and dating. Oh, okay. So, um, and now I am building money back up again. <laughs> but it. I don't have own my own house money here yet. Not in America. Right. Got a little apartment in England. You have your own apartment in England. I got, got a little apartment that's in you my name. You own it? Yes, in my name and everything. Oh, that's great. Like I've grown up. Do you rent it out to renters? Yeah, I rent it out to renters. Long term or short term? Long term. Okay, so let them have, have it. To I don't go with... to London very often. I'm there maybe one week out of every year these days. That's great. Wait, so that must cover your expenses over here. I mean, Nah, it covers no. the mortgage on the property. Oh, right. Okay. It's not really mine. Yeah. I don't really own it. What? My mum and dad own it. Oh, it's in your name. Yeah, I it's see. in my name. You yeah, threw that yeah, in there yeah, for... Yeah. Hey, I'm just... Uh, this is what I would have put on my Tinder profile if right. I had one. It's like how my dad's credit I got my own apartment. It's in my name. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Do you own it? Yeah, I mean, in name. Do you ever watch that it's show, um, Instant Hotel? No, what's that? Well, it's an Australian show where people have different Airbnbs 
and they compete. They 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 stay in one one another's Airbnb mm. and rank each other. We have a similar thing called um, fuck. There's one in England that maybe that was the original. Maybe the they oh, okay. took maybe they uh, copied the format from the Australian TV show. Oh, maybe so. But it's effectively like um. I don't know what it's called, like something like home, hotels away from home or home away from hotels mm-hmm. or something. And they're all B&B owners. Yeah. Bed and breakfast owners. Not Airbnb, but B&B owners. Gotcha. And then, yes, other other owners and come to each they, other. They do some stuff and then they yeah. go, they go oh, well, look at this. It's very dusty. Look at that. Right. Look at that dust on top of the right. shelf. Well, I brought it up because one of the pairs, you go to their place and it's like a seven bedroom mansion. And everyone's like, what the hell is going on here? Like, of course, they're going to win and they find out it's their parents' place. And everyone thinks, well, that's that's cheating. Any, any of us could go use our parents' mansions. and I wish it, I know? had a parents with a mansion that I could use. Right. I, I, I kind of do. I'm an asshole. Really? Your parents have a mansion? Well, they used to have a mansion and now it's been split into two mini mansions because they're divorced. And they live in separate houses that wings. are very nice. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh. no, exactly. <laughs> Not, they don't live in the same wings. house. They've moved into different houses, sold the first house. Both have very nice houses, but complain that, they, that they're slumming it now, which Wait, they are, are you, not. <laughs> are you Julia Austin or are you a Hollywood film celebrity Gwyneth Paltrow? Because <laughs> there's a little Gwyneth in the, the hair. I get that the sometimes. Eyes. You get that sometimes. I get that a lot, yes. Millionaire parents. She's very wealthy, isn't she? She is. Yeah. What kind of, how do you, what, what's like a healthy snack for you? Is it like a $7,000 egg cured from the the vegan retreat of the Dalai Lama? No, no, no. I eat sen- everything. No, that's the kind of shit she eats. Oh, I see. It? Yes, I do. I eat, I eat lamb fetuses with, I don't know what, I don't know what. Oh, wait, that wouldn't be a kind of fault to her thing. That would be just evil. Yeah, she's, I think she's a bit like pro- Let's not hurt animals. Well, I'm probably the evil Gwyneth Paltrow. Some people would go. probably say that I am. You could, have you ever done her as a character? No, I've actually. So when I used to have very long hair, and I would get Heidi Klum all the time then. And I've actually oh, yeah, done several. I see that too. I've done a lot of Heidi Klum impersonation videos. That's what I did. Dope. How do they go down? Um, do you mean how are they received, or like what were they? Yeah. How Both. are they received? Both. Uh, people thought they were pretty funny. They thought they were pretty great. But I feel like if you've got like an if I had a character, I mean I get I get Russell Brand and Chris D'Elia. That's what I get just because I'm a long guy, right? A long guy. I am a long guy, but yes. a tall guy with long hair and a beard. Oh yeah, you must be Chris D'Elia or Russell Brand. But I don't physically look like them. I don't have the same facial shape as them. Um, but if I did, I would a hundred percent be you know I'd be on a fucking SNL tape or something. Those. Or yeah. I yeah I'd be doing like a character, maybe a weekly update in them. Yeah, I should probably do more. I guess for I should Instagram, do. I should do more. Now, my new videos are I like to impersonate my mom, and oh. those are all my new videos. And maybe it's because I have her haircut now, which was an accident. But <laughs> well, we did the show together what like a week and a half ago or so at a standard, mm-hmm. and you were hilarious. Oh, thank you. And I I bombed at the end of my set. Oh no, you no, no, didn't I did. Bomb. Let's let's talk. No, no, we can talk about it. This is, I want to talk about it because I think it's a really interesting facet of comedy. That even I'm what eight eight years eight years I've been doing stand up now so eight years in as a professional comic who you know makes a living through this profession predominantly. Uh, That's great. It's yeah no no it's great but it's also great that I love this profession because after eight years of getting to a point where I go I can work any room now you know I got everything I can go up in a room come off a little like be a make a few choices that weren't right for the audience not reading the crowd correctly. Yep. And have a mostly great set. And then at the end, 
just have a like I just I ended on a real nosedive oh no I was literally like all right well expected a response to that joke didn't get one but and then I made a little offhand comment to someone in the audience who shouted out like I was like maybe I should just leave it there so I was like yeah you should I thought you were gonna rip that guy apart I honestly I don't know you very well so I didn't know which direction it was going to go because like I was like as I said I think I said it after he shouted out I was like I can't even be angry about that because you're right (laughs) this is it's all it's more awkward for me bro and I was just like and then I made some I did a little call back to something I said earlier do you know what I mean like oh okay you're off the hook I'm gonna sleep with him or something like that and he got a little laugh and I left right very embarrassed right but um but you stormed it and then but then you shared a story with me which was that we'd actually done stand-up together maybe a year prior to this yeah where we'd had a a completely polar opposite experience where you'd had a show which you hated i bombed and then i i had a really nice show Yeah. yeah and that's the best thing about comedy yeah it is well it i definitely still have moments where i am reminded that I'm seven years in and compared to some people, that's still an infant Yeah, in comedy. You know, like there's... And at any point, it can not go your way. If yes. you don't get it right every time, right? sometimes you can just be like, this room of people just fucking hates me. Yeah, there's... It, <laughs> I, I have like certain material that I have to be very careful about when I go into it. And uh, I only can, depending on how things have been going leading up to that. Well, that's because... all your racist stuff you did the other night. Oh, yeah, right. Really yes. <laughs> that's right. Bit of woman hating in there as yes. well. Yes. You know, I have an anti-feminist. Some, yeah. It was some pro, <laughs> pro Brett Kavanaugh stuff. I think right. Did right. like 20 minutes on him. Yep. He's great. It was less of a But the audience loved me, a, so. <laughs> yeah, more of a TEDx talk about, you know, how great he is. Uh, but the audience fucking loved it. Uh, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it's. There are real pros who I watch just like handle, just digging themselves out of the worst hole. And, yeah. I, and I know that I can't do that every time or even 50% of the time yet. So it's a humbling experience where I'm like, well, there's always more work to be done. You know? It's hard with shorter sets. Like when you, when, here's the thing, like when someone like, uh, who's a good example? It doesn't, well, actually, I don't even need to give an example. When a big name comic, uh, you know, a girl or a guy who's already very established and has a huge following, has celebrity and TV and movies or whatever behind them. When they go on stage, pretty much, first of all, the difference between their audiences and our audiences, their audiences are there to see them. Mm-hmm. Our audiences, we're still at the kind of level where some might be there to see us, but the majority are there to enjoy a night comedy and we happen to be on the bill because we're good and we got booked, right? But they don't know that yet. So it's right. not like they come into it wanting to laugh at you. Uh, yeah. and also we have like short periods of time to do it. 10 to 15 is the most you get in LA, I think, at most clubs. Right. And normally it's five to 10. Right. You know, seven. Oh, you got seven minutes tonight. I'm like, okay, great. Whereas if I'd had another 20 minutes or 15 minutes or five minutes, I could have gone, you don't like me. And I would have dealt with it. And I would have made jokes about it and gone, that's okay. I'm a piece of shit. I don't like me either. And then I would have done some material to ingratiate myself with these people where I could bring them back enough to go, okay, thank God. At least I ended on some good laughs. Yeah. Whereas just having to be like, eat shit and go, I guess that's <laughs> it. <laughs> it was so fucking painful. It hasn't happened to me for years and it made me feel really bad. For years? Well, you're very lucky. I feel like yeah. it happens to me. <laughs> it's happened to me more than that in the last couple of years. Well, not true. I've seen you storm it the other night. So it was very, very good. <laughs> um, how does how does a, a lady who has mansion-owning parents end up being a stand-up comedian? What went wrong? Who hurt you? Oh, yeah. No, of course. Um, well... I a lot of my comedy is about how ridiculous the 
that life of privilege is. You know, I do try to make it clear that I definitely am not a part of that anymore and even purposefully rejected that lifestyle. I mean, my mom very much so wishes I would just marry a stockbroker. She literally loves my boyfriend, but also at the same time will call to let me know who's Wall Street son is single today or whatever. I'm like, I live with Nick. We've been together for six years. Yeah, like, like, yeah but I'm just saying if Yeah, you... yeah. I'm just letting you know. He's very handsome. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's hard. That's going to be hard for your boy as well. Doesn't it he? is really hard for him. And it's also very hard for me to explain to him that Linda, Linda Austin is her name, that even the people Linda Austin loves the most it may not feel like love, even still, like in the sense that I know she adores him, but she'll also make lots of critical comments. And I'm like, I know that you think, God, this person must not like me. And I'm thinking, whatever you think it sounds like when someone likes you, that doesn't exist with this person. Okay, so please, like, don't. It's a completely different <laughs> yeah. character. You have to understand that character. Too. Yeah. I, I mean, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. My parents were incredibly critical. And very, uh, they weren't super wealthy. We were like working middle class family, but they worked themselves out of poverty into middle class life. So being the best and getting A's in everything and 100% on every test, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't do that, you were a fuck up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to deny wow. that even though my mother is a, it uh, was an English literature and theatre studies teacher, you know, and loves the arts and all that. I think both of them wished I'd just become a lawyer. Oh. 100%. They don't think you're doing well in comedy? I just don't think they understand how to quantify it. Yeah. Money is how they quantify things. I mean, I think, yeah. Stability and money for for an older generation in general. They're 72 now. Yeah. 71, 72. Yeah, so uh, 71. That's That's old as fuck. My dad's 75. There you go. So you get it. Like when you're old as fuck, what, what is success? Owning your own home, having steady income, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Whereas going, I just did a really exciting TV thing for a thing. And they go, cool. How much did that pay? I was like, uh, it was like, oh, yeah, it was a few grand. They're like, oh, that's great. And how long is that going to last you? Oh, maybe six months. <laughs> like, like, okay, you're not doing it. Right. They don't understand that actually that is success. You know, you're sort of already starting to move up the ladder. Yeah. Well, it oh. is hard to explain to some, to your parents, like, I don't necessarily sh- with my dad. I'll share things. He actually he's the money maker of our my parents, but he also comes from entertainment. What does he do? What did he do? Well, he just sold his company that he had for forty plus years or something. That what they started doing, they didn't continue to do because technology evolved. But basically, they used to cocaine selling cocaine. Well, no, that's definitely still an active industry. <laughs> not, not on the internet. The internet kind of killed it. <laughs> Door-to-door fucking, you know, bricks salesman. Right, right that's true. Um, well, the more interesting thing about my dad is he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fuck yeah. Yeah, so he comes from entertainment. Um, he opened the first nightclub on the Strip in Las Vegas, which, I mean, it's not there now. I think it might be a, a strip club now or something. He opened the first nightclub. That so existed. not casinos, he opened the first nightclub. It was nightclub. a nightclub on what was, at the time, developing into the Strip as we it's know it now. Uh, yeah, right. He could. <laughs> Seems like he could be, right? Yeah, no, actually, um, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't him, a comic bit. That know, was me genuinely asking, is he not in the mafia? I don't know. Well, you know what? He's Jewish. I don't know if the mafia takes Jews. Ah, he could be a consigliere or something like that. 
That guy was Irish. I've watched the Godfather movies. I know how it works. That's true. He would be their lawyer. He looks like it. He's all like the pinstripe suits. And Is he, he a wears lawyer? Red tie. No, no, no. He Well, now he's semi-retired, though he still sells real estate. He'll never really retire. He's one yeah, of those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, Sells real estate. Right. Deals in oil business. Yeah, all right. I understand. I'm kind of retired, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Always need to have some sort of a cover business, right? For money Fuck laundering. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get the front, right? That's how you get a mansion. That's right. Selling drugs. If he opened a nightclub in Vegas, back in the time when yeah. the law had less of a, a grip over what people did, you know, it was, mm-hmm. there was less transparency. There's still, I mean, it's still a bunch of fucking gangsters, the police. But people were in pockets then, you know, easily in pockets. He may have been. He actually... He definitely did some illegal shit, 100%. he once told me that his company sold money to someone who owned... Well, the company... Sold money? Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, sold money. <laughs> um, That's a great business model. I, I like it. I didn't sleep well. Excuse me. Um, sold... Because you were fearing for your life because your dad's enemies are <laughs> yeah. fucking threatening you. I get it. It's all right. It's not It's not easy to be a mafia princess. Um <laughs> He think he's his company sold product once to a to a studio. He worked with a lot of porn studios back in the day. I don't know if this was a porn studio, but it turned out that the owner had mob affiliations. I don't know, but he's kind of a myth and a legend. My dad, he's he's has all these crazy. How did he end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? So he was like a pioneer. He opened the nightclub, the first, first one on the strip. Uh, okay, yes, Sorry, first drug den. That's yeah, right. Um, that. And then he was the master of ceremony at the Las Vegas Convention Center for a long time. But he also booked the act, so he booked. The Jackson Five for the first time they ever performed there. Wow. Yeah. And then he was a host on a show called Tonight in Las Vegas. That was a TV show. Okay. Um, I mean, it was, I don't know, maybe it was on a network equivalent to like E! Today or something. Okay. Where he would interview stars. He had Carly Simon, Little Richard on there. Nice. And then he had a radio show about rock and roll for like 30 years or something. I think it might be still syndicated. And anyway, someone submitted him. He didn't submit himself. He just received a letter saying... You've been, you know, I went You're to the, be in the Rock and Roll Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, I went to the induction ceremony and everything. Now, wasn't there something, uh, some uh, uh, upset in the industry recently about the people who hadn't been inducted? You know, they were like major famous artists. They're like, how did they not get inducted yet? I didn't hear anything about that. You needed that. to know the right person. Oh, yeah, right. If they know your dad, mafia. Yeah. <laughs> protection. And if they don't know your dad, horse's head in your bed. I love this whole idea about my dad. He, oh my gosh your dad so I reckon if I had a conversation with your dad over a couple of whiskeys Keith like is the cigar, man he loves whiskeys and a snifter of course he fucking does yeah. we sit there in some like some gowns yes with in slippers. restaurants with big red booths oh, I love it that's what he loves just in a silk gown mm-hmm. underwear nothing else <laughs> silk underwear and a silk gown yes. smoking cigars snifter whiskey in a restaurant and someone goes excuse me sir you can't and he just looks at me and he goes I think you'll find that can. <laughs> and they just leave. A couple of big Italian gentlemen walk out and they just leave. That's what it's like to have dinner with Keith Austin. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, so did you grow up um, having some kind of... I had Camilla Cleese on this podcast not long ago. And obviously growing up with John Cleese as your father is quite a uh, a strange upbringing. He's opening a nightclub, uh, comedy club in Santa Barbara right now, I think. John Cleese is? Yeah. Yeah, with, oh, actually, he's uh, an investor on it. Yeah, yeah. She oh, told or me that's what day. it was. Yeah, with yeah. Andre Belkoff, whose show yeah. I'm doing this weekend at the venue. I think he's closing down to move on to the comedy club that he's And that's in, where is yeah. that? In Santa... Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, yeah. 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 Great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, no, that's... I mean, yeah, it'll be a great show. Bigger congratulations to Andre for the nightclub. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, so she grew up in that kind of 
you know, thrust into the limelight and the world of straight, like music and rock and roll and comedy and celebrities. Was that a similar thing then? Because he was, you know, tapped into all of this. Were you mm. around for that no. period of time? So my dad is like almost like a cat in the sense he's had so many different lives. So mm. a lot of that had wound down by the time he had me and my sister. We're a part of his second marriage. He's on to his third one now. It's actually unclear whether or not they're married. We I also can't. love the way you worded that as well. It's like he had you, like he birthed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can't this man do? Keith Austin. I told you he's the man, the myth legend. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he had a recording studio in our home growing up, and he was still doing his radio show. And sometimes I would go sit on his lap when he was doing that. But that only lasted till I was, I don't know, I was a little girl when he... Um, pretty much stopped doing that and then he but had, you never sat there and then realized years later i was sat opposite the jackson five. Oh yeah no uh no no okay no none of that <laughs> so the right level so you had the the the, the privilege afforded to someone who's you know parents are very wealthy but you didn't necessarily have that celebrity nepotism kind of you know i'm always around famous oh, people oh no and no no, and, no way i mean i, mean, I think my my dad was very much wanting to move into that like suburban very normal life by the time keeping up the cover good 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 that's idea. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't and he also instilled a work ethic into me and my sister they didn't like we both had high school jobs yeah we weren't really spoiled we were spoiled in the sense that we were taken on amazing trips our whole lives but we weren't like staying at the four seasons or something you know we would rent a little house or whatever and I mean that's still very privileged. Still nice. It's yeah, yeah. very nice, but yeah, nah, it's all right. It's, okay. it's all relative. You know, it's all normal. relative. There's, diff- <laughs> there's different experiences. Yeah, um, but no, I mean I I'm not. Uh, I guess I'm. I well I I don't know why I was lucky enough to figure out that it wouldn't make me happy to go that route per se. If comedy brings me that type of success, wealth, that'll be great. But I mean. In terms of just marrying someone wealthy and just doing it that way or whatever, I. You I mean, know. there's a queue of bankers waiting to do it. Your mum's been lining them up. You know that. I might be getting too old. You know, they would if they're if they're just gonna have a little trophy nah. wife. You know, they want a 19 year old now. Nah, 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 yeah. nah, nah, nah. They want to fuck a 19 year old every now and then. They might have a mission. <laughs> but here's the reality: they would have done all that cocaine, fucking young chicks who are dumb but fun. You know, blah blah. They would have done that, and then they get to a point where they go, "Now I really want a life." And they meet a woman like you and they go, well, she's attractive. She's cool. She's doing her own thing. She's like talented in her own right. And she's a woman. She's not like a kid. Sure. You know, but still young enough and attractive enough to be like on their list. Huh. You're the marriage material, lady. Maybe so. Sometimes I feel like a lot of those. They want to put a little baby in you. I, oh, gosh, I don't want a baby. Um, no? <laughs> no, I don't want a baby. Never? Do you, do you want a baby? Yeah, I want you uh, my one like one or two babies. You do? Yeah, I quite like babies. You got to have two if you're going to have one. Don't let them be by themselves. Mm, yeah, I mean, That's like, I'm I glad think. I had an older sister. I think she was wonderful for me. And she was very mothering and supportive. But I also, I, I know plenty of people who got, like, one child. And the child is really well balanced and, you know. I actually do have a couple of only child friends who are great. If you've got good parents, you turn out to be a pretty good kid. I think yeah. generally, like you know, I do believe in that nurture side of th- uh, sorry, the nature uh, nurture side of things. Um, but yeah, I do want kids because I feel like there's too many fucking absolute retards populating, <laughs> the, overpopulating the world. There's a lot of dumb fucking idiots. No, I know you should have kids because there's a whole. I think there's a movie out. Oh God, what is it? There's a movie out and it takes place in the future in you know like a fake world, but basically idiocracy. Oh, is that it? And only dumb people are having babies, right? Is, uh, is that? I mean, is it is there is the president of the United States in that movie um, the huge what's the um, 
What's the black actor who was in... Um, he does a lot of comedy. His name is uh, begins with T. Fucking... Um, t- I'm going to let you save your brain. I haven't seen the movie. My sister told me all about it. <laughs> but it's about like 50, uh, 100, 150 years in the future or something like that. And the president is like a wrestler, an ex-pro wrestler. And he, Terry Crews. Terry Crews is the... Oh, okay. is the um, is the pre- plays the president idiocracy? No, did not ring. Really- no, that sounds like I think that's what you yeah. said. It's called, and, and, and everyone's fucking idiot. Well, idiotic, and I think yeah. right, and I think it's like in the sense that anyone who's smart today, most people who are smart today are smart enough to know. Oh, why would I have a baby? I don't want to have babies. So if you're smart and you can even charge past that and be like, well, that's exactly why I should have a baby. So not only the dumb people are happy. I babies. I think I think that like all the all the you know, if if we if we if the earth. If the, not the meek, if the moronic shall inherit the earth, it's because people with half a brain cell are not being fucking proactive enough. Right. Get out there. For, for instance, look, I hate gun ownership in America. I think that's, uh, I, wish, I wish people couldn't own guns. Okay. Like Europe or, you know, lots of other countries or now New Zealand is rolling it back, you know, uh, because there's less gun deaths. Sure. Amazingly in countries yeah. that have very strict gun laws. And I'd love that to happen here. It won't happen here. Never. And it will never change. There might be slight restrictions at some point. Maybe ARs. Maybe. Maybe. But I doubt it. So, one part of me, even as a gun-hating... I don't like the... Own, as a, a gun-ownership-hating, uh, liberal-minded, left-wing, democratic individual. Just left to center, whatever. But it doesn't matter. I'm still a snowflake in most people's eyes, right? I still would absolutely own a gun if I had a home where I could have it safely stored. And the reason I would want a gun is because of the fucking nut jobs who already yeah, own them. Yeah, that's the only reason I would want one too. But it's true. It's like anytime you hear of a good person using a gun, it is because they had to defend themselves against yeah. something that they didn't ask for. I mean, that's a Someone huge into my house. blanket statement. But it's, 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 I mean, yeah, I obviously wish that all the guns could just be gone like that. But Wouldn't it's that be great? Not, it's not going to happen. In Won't fact, happen. there's a movie where that almost, I keep bringing up, it's a, it takes place in Brooklyn. Oh, I don't know. But it's also a hypothetical situation where the government tries to take away everyone's guns. And it does right, cause right, right. a civil war and everyone's killing each other and people don't like it. I, um, yeah, I think that's why. And in the same way, I always wanted to have children because I put a lot of stock in family, even though I, I've had my own gripes with my mum and dad and we've had, you know, tumultuous relationships. I still love them implicitly with all my heart. I might not necessarily like their company all the time and I'm sure they don't like mine all the time. <laughs> you know, that's what grown adults who don't get along right. decide. But with your family, you can't just go, you know, I'll never ever speak to you again. I'll see you again. We're done. You can, but I'm not going to do that. You can, and some people do. But the truth is, I always feel like there's something a little bit odd about them. It's important to maintain that family with relationship. Like, even if they drive you insane, I think... Compromise and uh, a balance of mental stability is something that I am... uh, Something that I am developing more and more and more as I become an older man or a more mature individual. And I'm... And my parents are a wonderful place to learn those lessons. Yeah, no. Does that make sense? Or my relationship with my parents. My oh, sister and yeah. I, we get on like a house on fire. We love each other very deeply. But she lives in too. New Zealand. You know, she's on the other side of the fucking world. It's very sad. And I don't get to see my niece all the time. But I'm glad she's happy and she needs to be in that space to be happy. And that's great. But yeah, I've, I think, anyway, in the same way, like I go, just because I have some shitty experiences myself with my family, I don't think that's how I would raise my children with the same set of problems i'd have my own individual set of problems and i think i'd raise a good kid i already raised someone else's child for four years what 
And How's that? An ex-girlfriend who had a child from a previous relationship. Oh, okay. And when I met her and we started sleeping together, her daughter was like 13 months old. Oh my gosh. So um, after a couple of years of dating and being getting very serious and spending huge amounts of time in this child's life, I moved in with them and I spent two years living with them. So I've already raised a child and did a pretty good job, I think. Must have know? been hard to not live with that child anymore when yeah 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 that was the worst thing and my ex is um a scumbag like a horrendous piece of shit i fucking loathe her so you know that kid is with that person no 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 no. she's sorry sorry she's not um she's a scumbag in the sense that she her last she told us when she told me when we were together she said uh i said if we ever broke up it'd be so weird because like you're my best friend Mm as well as my partner it's a bit codependent our relationship and i couldn't imagine us not just hanging out and being friends I said, we'd be friends. If anything ever went wrong, we ever decided we just couldn't be together. We'd still be friends, right? So, and she, and she went, she was like, no, no. She was like, no, no, no. If we ever broke up, I'd, I'd make you the most hated person in my life because that's the only way I could get over the love I feel for you. I'd have to make you the most hated and hateful person in my life. I'd make sure everyone felt that way. And that's what would happen. I was like, oh, babe, you're so funny. Cut to breakup of our relationship. She did that and trying to ruin my career and her last way to hurt me and she knew it would really, really be the last dagger in the, you know, the, uh, the uh, whatever in the, um, the uh, whatever, the last nail in the coffin, I should have said. Uh, she said, you can't see or speak to the little girl because she's not yours. She's not your child. So That's you don't so have any sad. rights to see her. And I was like, all right, I understand you're angry and you want to move on and you want to hurt me because that's your way of moving past it and getting past it up. But your daughter already has a an absolute fucking ass hat for a biological father who's not good. He's not a good dad. And he does shitty, dumb dad things. And he only sees her every other weekend. And he fills her full of sugar and keeps her up late. Doesn't help her development. He doesn't. Re- he sets up fake businesses to pay himself as an employee of those businesses so he doesn't have to pay child support. He's a scumbag. And you want him to continue to have a relationship in her life. Yeah. But the guy who tells her every day... You're a brilliant young woman. You can become whatever you want to be. You're strong. You're powerful. Who puts band-aids on her knees when she grazes them or tucks her in and reads her bedtime stories in loads of different voices. You don't want that guy to be in her life, but you want the fucking ass hat to be in her life. And, and, and it was just her way of hurting me. And it worked. Do you feel like... She <clears throat> should die. Well, do you feel like... I can't say that. You have to say it. Oh, she should die. Yes. Um, wow. Do you feel I mean, like... I don't know. That's a bit much for me. I feel like even for this podcast... <laughs> I mean, she also sounds insane, so I probably shouldn't say that about someone with such a wrath. But yeah. do you feel like someone who... She's I a comedian, th- so that makes oh, sense. Oh, great. I think you learn a lot about someone in the way that they handle breakups. So, mm-hmm. for example, do you... I mean, it's not just like those traits just came out of nowhere once you broke up. No- looking back, are you like, oh, she always had the capacity to she, behave like this? She had um, a terrible relationship with her father. She had some daddy issues. Her dad fucked off when she was young. He was incredibly wealthy. He's, he's from a small town in, in Canada where he, he owned the local whatever business that was like what well, the whole town ran on kind of thing. So he made lots of money um, and broke up with her his trophy wife when she was young and went in for a younger model or a different thing. And, 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 and so she had lots of abandonment issues from men. So it already set up this idea that it's only you've only got yourself and uh, everyone else is transient, including yes. men. So she, so she's she had that and approached every relationship like that and has now passed down to a daughter because mm. she even at seven years old when we broke up or, or sorry she was five and a half but she's got to be at least she's older than that now <gasps> anyway she's probably about nine now 
But she, um, when she broke up, she's basically telling her daughter, like, the men in your life are transient. And even if they tell you they love you, it's probably not real. It's probably doesn't oh. mean anything. And you don't deserve... Because that's what she felt. Yeah. So I understand the reasoning behind it. I understand how she got there. But I have my... I came to that relationship and life, as everyone does, with your own set of, you know, uh, your own set of um, failings, baggage, and mental health issues. And you either get lost in them and repeat the cycle, which is what my parents did. You know, my dad was treated very unfairly by his father and, and, and he kind of passed on that anger to me, but not physically, barely ever, but emotionally. Mm-hmm. So he repeated the cycle, but just tried to change it up how it, how it came across. Uh, my way of approaching life is if someone's done that shit to you, if you've fucked up by something, be honest about it, be open about it, control it and command it and find a way to not pass that on to other people. Yeah, you have to you have to heal. It's true. There's this yeah. really funny... Did you ever watch the maybe it's called the Klimkowski project or the Kim Ka- Kimkowski method? It's okay. <laughs> it's Michael Douglas show and he's an actor. It's a new show on Netflix. He's a he's an acting coach and he has this one student who's they're doing some exercise and the student is being very weird and making these weird noises and Michael Douglas is like, "What's the matter with you?" and he goes, "I think it's because I had a weird childhood." And Michael Douglas goes, "How old are you?" and he goes, "34." And he goes, childhood's over (laughs) and it is so true in the sense that when people behave shitty towards people around them because of what happened in their childhood i kind of remember well part of growing up is fucking addressing that because as much as you have an excuse or a reason of why that caused you to behave a certain way that excuse doesn't change the fact that when you do that it's destructive in your own life and nobody's gonna fix it but you yeah you know absolutely yeah and it's and, and and don't get me wrong i feel like in in america uh therapy is like a very accepted thing here everyone's got a therapist I, i've never had a therapist actually oh no however i've read a lot of books i actively um i apply a less taught but more taught through life uh self-applied therapy mm-hmm. i know my failings i know the things i do wrong i know the things i need to change about myself i know the things i would like to change to continue growing as a person become a better person and I'm employing all of those things on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Some of them I succeed at immensely well. Some of them I struggle with. But but by being honest that, hey, here's a failing in me. Here's a thing that's not good, that's negative about who I am. And is that who I want to be? Is that how I want to be? No. So fucking change it. Uh, the biggest and most powerful uh, application of therapy i found lately in the last year is the power of not thinking. And it's a, it sounds very... I don't, it might not work for everyone, but I realized that a lot of the patterns I wanted to break, I would, in my head, be able to talk at length to myself internally, incessantly, to the point where it was driving myself crazy and making myself incredibly depressed. Telling myself, like, for instance, drinking. Drinking too much and then get sitting in front of the mirror every morning when you're a little hungover. Not fucked up. I don't do that anymore, but, like, a little hungover and just looking at yourself and going... God, you're a bit fucking fat in the wrong places, and you look you look tired, and you look you're making yourself age prematurely, and you don't feel good. And why are you wasting this money on this thing? And you do if you do that every fucking day, which I did every morning in the mirror for years, you just you you get caught up in that pan. And then what I found is rather than over trying to apply mental connection to why I'm doing these things and how I can change, I realized what I need to do is just go stop, stop, stop thinking. Stop doing it and do the other thing. 
Yeah. So like working out now, I work out loads now. And the reason I work out loads now is because when I want to work out, I know I should work out and I'm feeling a bit low or feeling a bit unfit or whatever. I don't think about, I should really go to the gym. I should really, what I do is I literally would just take off my fucking trousers, put on a pair of shorts, grab my little work bag, which is there. That's my workout bag by the fucking door. And I pick it up and I leave. So I've got everything I need. I just leave. And then before I'm even able to think about whether I should go or not or what else is going on or whether I hate myself too much to actually work out and change my situation, I'm already at the gym. Yeah, that's very. That's kind of how I approach doing stand-up, honestly. That's great. I mean, I'm still at a point where I, I do try to do as many open mics as I can when I don't have shows. And mm-hmm. I just... I just put myself in a car at a certain time and just drive myself. I live pretty far away. I'm in Mar Vista, so I just okay. take myself over to where in the mics mansion, are. Mansion. That, yeah, well, no, no, now I live in a little two-bedroom apartment. Actually, two bedrooms, not bad. <laughs> that's, nice. that's very nice. Yeah. Yes, With your partner as well. Yes. You live together. And our dog, yes. And he's a comic as well. And he's a comic as I well. I met him the other night for the last night. He seemed very nice. Yeah, Nick, he's a sweetheart. He's the only, the only reason I would have a child is because there should be more of him. There so you go. Sweet. <laughs> you know what? That's actually an interesting thing. I think that's um I think men are very selfish about why they want children. We have we have children because we want to create smaller versions of ourselves. I want to pass on my legacy. Yeah. My name, my legacy, my DNA. <laughs> I should create more of me. That's where it comes from. I think a lot of women and especially women who weren't necessarily uh, enamored by the idea of having children when they fall in love with a man, that can often be the turning point because they go, I want to create something with this person that I love. Yeah. Oh, I'm fucked. I guess it's slowly happening. No, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Give it five years. I'm going to see you on stage. You're going to be fucking Ali Wong in You're it. You're going to be pregnant. Yeah. yeah, big old belly. You'll have a special. It'll be great. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited about it. Well, um, I, well, anyways, but back to the not, back to the not, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like, not doing that. You allowed yourself to get no, caught Ali it, just Wong-ing. for a second and then you were like, do I really want that? No, I... He just loves you. This is you do realize this is not really a podcast. We're not even recording. It's an intervention. Your oh, no. boyfriend and I met for the first time, and he felt connection to me. And he said, "Listen, man, you look like a family guy." And I was like, "How do you know?" Because you look like you raised someone else's child for four years. And I said, "Well, funny you should say that." I still, I still think that situation is fascinating, and I still want to talk more about that. I just don't take comics. That's what I was going to tell you, but no, you're but already my, doing it. No, well. but he's so. I got really lucky. Because honestly, if I were talking to someone starting comedy today and she was like, oh, I'm hooking up with comics or I would be like, no, 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 don't do it. Or what I would say is if you think you're interested in someone, don't ha- let anything happen for like a year. Don't do the casual fucking thing because you'll get a name in the comedy well, community. It's like, oh, this person sleeps around with comics. And to be honest, I, I don't like to quote my own jokes but i will try to talk in a vague way about a joke i wrote because it's important and i think it is true. With the concept it's that it's unfair when we accuse women of sleeping with a lot of people because they get the option so much more than men do that relatively speaking they may actually still be restraining themselves if you had any idea how many people tried to sleep with them if, if who they said no to with every guy that ever approached them yes it would be out of control else. yeah exactly so i as a woman i know because when i entered comedy i was single and it was overwhelming there were so many and a lot of comedians are charming and witty and cute and and smart and the same parental issues yeah exactly well. they're emotionally intelligent and in tune there were a lot i felt very overwhelmed like at first i i felt like just options everywhere, and you know? And after the first, like, 30 or 40 guys, you were like, this is enough, <laughs> enough. Well, nothing ever happened with anyone besides Nick as 
in the comedian world. Thank goodness. That's great. And I just got so I like I didn't realize, but we've been dating almost as long as we've been doing comedy. And every day now that I see how it can go, if that first person or first five people you date that are comics aren't for you, how fucking awkward it gets because you see all the same people all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I literally just hit the jackpot. The first guy. He was it for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, so because it's very when you are a woman in comedy, it can be. Of of course, you want to find differently for being promiscuous than guys. I mean, that's true. Whether you're a comedian or you're a fucking, you know, work in a burger van, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're a guy and you're, you know, hooking up with loads of colleagues. Yeah. Come on, player. Exactly. Whereas if you're a girl, like, well, she's a bit of a, you want to watch right. out for her, man. She's probably got something, you know? Right. And those are the people you hang out with. And sure, you could date outside of comedy, but that's also very hard, too. I was dating a non-comedian when I started comedy. And then we broke up and I was single for a while. And then I met Nick. Um, but that was so hard on our relationship. He was like, wanted to have dinner with his friends at 7 p.m. on a yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, like no, ah, I'll yeah. be home at midnight, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm around all these men. And for him, that would cause jealousy issues. Yeah. And for Nick, it doesn't because he knows that that's how the world is. I'm I'm still susceptible, I think, to a little a little bit of weak-minded jealousy when it okay. comes to my girl just because I love her. And, of course, there's a part of me that when I see like a Amanda. guy giving a... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we've we, we said a name now. Oh, am I uh, not supposed to say that? That's all right. Oh, I'm sorry. I talk about I've talked about it quite a bit on, on various podcasts depending on what the conversation is. Okay. And that's all right. But, yeah, I, I do. I care very deeply about her. But uh, thanks, you just killed half my... Sorry. It's all right. Well, she's lovely. Sorry. I mean, yeah, keep digging that hole. It's all right. If uh, female listeners are watching, um, just because I'm very happy and loved. Doesn't I mean, see. Doesn't mean that, you know, she won't fuck a more attractive man at some point and break my heart. Your manager's going to call and that can happen. have me blacklisted. Yeah, right. I, think, I, this is, I never understood that. I, I get the, the keeping up public appearances that if you're available... It's more of a desire for you. But I don't want people following me on social media purely with some kind of interest beyond the comedy. If you, if I make you laugh and if I make you feel happy, I make you feel good. And some of the conversation I have interests you and sparks your, 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 your brain cells in a, in a way that feels nice, I want you. If you want to jump on my dick... Then you know. Then just send me the pictures <laughs> and address. Well, send I'm, me the address and I, the number. Don't make the mistake I made. <laughs> send the phone number as well and the apartment number. Otherwise, I, I'll be still outside. I try. I make it pretty public that I'm in a relationship. Yeah. But also, kind of not that I like have a brand or whatever. But I have a tremendous amount of material that is targeted towards people in long-term relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the humor of those committed relationships. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like I do jokes about being a party girl, about being a single girl. I specifically talk about domestic being life in six a, years in. and Exactly. And yeah. how things change and yeah. what those experiences are like. And yeah. you've got to talk about what you know. I don't think I don't think it's that big a deal. I, I understand when I've had porn actresses on the podcast. I've had maybe like, I think four girls now. And pretty much all of them didn't want to talk about their partners in any way, shape, or form. Makes sense. Because it's their brand is to be sexually available. Yeah. My brand is not to be sexually available. It's to be uh, available comedically and also to be sexual. <laughs> okay. I, I, I understand that sex is a part of my branding mm-hmm. um, and being sexually provocative or, you know, trying to appear at least uh, desirable. But also it's not it's not the defining part of my comedy, I hope. Yeah. I used to do more of that when I was a newer comedian. This is just, 
I yeah, I used to do more of that, and then I do you want more more sexual. I used to stuff, do more sexual stuff. Yeah, and I and I do still have some jokes like that, but they are still geared I, towards. I don't do like. You, I mean, you've seen me perform a couple of times now. I have sexual elements in my set. There's sexual stuff in there. But the concepts are normally about politics, but reducing it down to a sexual idea that everyone can laugh <laughs> at. Because sex is funny. You know, or... But um, you also, again, talk about what you know. I've, I've spent like 35... Out of 35 years on this planet, I'd say a good 20 of those years, I was a very sexual being, you know? So... Why wouldn't I talk a bit about that? Not us. No, exactly. Not no. Nick and I. <laughs> no. no. Well, were you? Did, were you? Were you? Um, were you? You wouldn't call yourself like sexually shy before you met him, or were you? Were you like oh, quite no. closed off from the world? And oh no, 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 no. I guess I meant within our relationship. We're just at a point of having to schedule sex, or it doesn't really happen, and we just sort of. <laughs> That's because you both do evening work and stuff like that. Although, yeah, you yes. do also have to after, especially after like six, seven years. Yeah, you got to remind yourselves to treat each other like you're dating every now and then yeah it's true i luckily have a very sometimes i say to nick i go thank god i'm confident in myself or else some of the things you say would not go over <laughs> sometimes when he'll be like should we have sex we should probably get it out of the way right <laughs> i'm like you mean you can't wait to have me right <laughs> or whatever <laughs> well first of all i'm sure that your partner nick is uh, aware that he's punching well above his weight he's very happy with being with you <laughs> But also, um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I mean, look, I'm the wrong person to ask because I made a very specific set of decisions in my life, in this relationship and this the time I'm spending with this girl. And uh, I made a few really simplistic rules based on previous experiences, previous relationships and where they went wrong and things that I think were... So I'm, I'm overtly honest about everything with her because what? I've lied in previous relationships i've had to lie to keep someone's feelings um moderated and to also make sure i'm the way i really feel doesn't hurt them but i've just made a decision that i want to be not insensitive i'm always going to be sensitive to my partner's feelings but i'm going to be very direct and very honest about what i want to happen and if she doesn't want to do that then we can have a good discussion about that and we can talk about why and how and why that doesn't match up for our particular you know views of how we should be in a relationship uh, and i'm not talking about sexy i'm talking about you know with sexually we're, we're very compatible in that way but i mean like in every facet of life can you give I'm, me an example yeah like i'm very clean i like cleanliness okay yeah. i'm a bit ocd and it was very important to me that i knew the next woman i was going to end up in a relationship with like this girl that i'm with um that she was neat she and tidy there? no 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 it's she lives with she's got roommates who, we've only yeah. been dating six months you know oh, okay but or like to get dating two months properly whatever you know but um but yeah that was a decision i'm i'm i don't like a messy bitch uh i used to be a messy bitch and my boyfriend gently trained me to be tidier there you go and now sometimes i'm tidier than him and he's created a monster <laughs> does that also does it make you feel better to now exist in that kind of neater space Is it, has it been a positive it does thing? I, it definitely does um and sometimes i'll still relapse like sometimes life will be absolutely crazy because i do still work almost full time during the day i love how adorable you are that having a messy apartment is like a relapse for you oh yeah it is <laughs> Not like waking up with a fucking heroin Fell off the wagon. Hanging out of your Left your dishes veins. in the sink. I yeah, know. Exactly. A dead hooker on your couch or whatever. You're just like, oh no, I just, I left out the washing from last night. Exactly. I've got to check myself in. Go to a laundromat. Sit there. Have some conversation. That's amazing. But it, I mean, one time it was so bad that Nick came home, opened the door, took a deep breath, and then he walked out the door without saying anything. And he called me from the car and he said, 
I am going to come back when the apartment does not look like that anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just couldn't be. And, and I understood it. It was so bad. It yeah, was, that's that's your safe space. When you come home, it was safe space. Yeah. Safe space is a terrible phrase because it makes it sound like a fucking hashtag woke. But I'm, I mean, like, it's your space in which you should always feel comfortable at yeah. your house when you come home. You need yeah. that. You need your respite, right? You need a little yeah. safe haven. And if you walk into it and this, the way it's set up makes you feel anxious or depressed or awkward, yeah, don't be in it. No, good for, for him. No, it's true. It's true. And I, of course, I'm not upset with him for pushing. I mean, obviously, it's a good Why thing are you angry, though? to be I mean, tidy. <laughs> and it really, actually, if anything turns him on, it's tidiness. Like the other day, he had his shoes on the floor and I said to him, you know, Nick, we have a shoe rack so we can put our shoes on it. And he said, I'm so hard right now. <laughs> yeah. He was like, do you want me to put the shoes on the rack? And you were like, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to have to bend over to put those shoes on the rack because it's low. And you were like, how low? And he's like, mm, knee high. Oh, yeah. And then you fucked on the shoe rack. That's right. And it broke and the shoes went everywhere. And then you were both really unhappy. How would you have sex on a shoe rack? Carefully. <laughs> you put your hands inside a pair of shoes and your feet in and you'd be on all fours in lots of shoes. Right. That's right. And at one point, he put a shoe on his penis oh, when yeah. it's erect, like just as an just an amusing little joke. Probably get some Windex out and some some and some Bam. antibacterial wipes. Really get things. Here's hot the thing: look, if if I was with a girl who was like crazy OCD, like switching lights on, washing her hands fifty times, that would be too much for me. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. But it's uh, that that's one small thing that I decided I would not I would not compromise on cleanliness of my space because someone else is messy. Like, just don't be with a messy person. Um, but then in other ways, look, for instance, I'm very highly strung in my emotional response to stuff. I'm quite, I'm quite fucking emotional. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm a little hypersensitive, I think. Okay. And uh, part of that is good because it means I feel very deeply for people. So when someone's hurting or sad, I'm very rapidly there. Um, I, as much as I look like a six foot four, big jewelry wearing normally, you know, long hair, peacocking douchebag, which I get, that's part of my aesthetic. Uh I like to be the juxtaposition of that. And actually, I'm very, I will be very soft and empathetic with you if you show me that vulnerability. However, in a relationship, sometimes I just got to chill out. Just got to chill out and take a step back and have a breath. And being with someone who is so much calmer than me, she's very calm and very placid, has been a positive therapy that has made me start to change my behavioral patterns. When you say you're sensitive, like what's an example I'm a fucking actor I'm hypersensitive sometimes okay. sometimes she's joking with me a professional comedian and she's joking around with me or just give me a little ribbing and I can be like oh alright okay. and she'll be like baby I'm joking I'll be like yeah yeah no and, and I have to catch myself oh, and go I know you are and I'm being a bit too overreactive and let me calm down and I'm sorry and blah blah and I catch myself and I made a decision that I would do that in this relationship. I don't want to be. Co- I also don't want to be codependent in a relationship again. Got to have your own life. That's good. That's go out, important. have your own friends, do your own th- shit. You know yeah. what I mean? It's okay to share those experiences, but have your own shit going on. Um, what else? Oh, never fart in front of her. Made that decision. You don't fart in front of her. No, I made the decision. Then you're I not living. Go to the, <laughs> okay. I always go to the restroom to fart. Nick comes and finds me to fart on me. Bet he does. A lot of boys do that. Yes, I don't think that's right. I knew that he loved me the first time he did that. It's his way of claiming me. <laughs> See, I look, and everything works differently for different people. Different people are happy with things. But I, over the course of my, uh, certainly my promiscuous days, but even my dating days, proper dating days, you know, women don't like guys fighting on them or around I'm them. I'm telling you, I am so incredibly attracted to my partner that he cannot 
do anything wrong in my eyes. Really? He shits with the door open now. The other day I was in the shower. That's shack- too much. No, no, no. That kills the sexual thing. Well, you haven't thing. heard the next. No, I don't even care. We had sex at night. You don't understand. This man is so cute to me. <laughs> that day I was in the shower once and we have two bathrooms. So he didn't need to come into this bathroom. And I was in one of the showers and didn't lock the door. And he came in and just started blowing up the toilet and he and I was like I had just put something like soap on my face that like I had to let sit for several minutes so I was held captive in this bathroom you know and he's la- I'm screaming and he's laughing his ass off like literally I'm angry with him. and I'm just like screaming and he's just laughing and laughing and he's just and do you know what steam does to the smell of it's a terrible uh, but like literally and accentuates <laughs> it yeah no I'm I'm super angry with your boyfriend <laughs> Like, not just a little bit. I'm genuinely disappointed in the man he is. And I'm going to speak to him. Next time I see him, I'm going to go, bro, you have a wonderful relationship. Your your, your lady spoke incredibly highly of you. She's mad in love with you. Stop shitting in front of her. Stop it. Unless, Unless you come to an agreement where you've said to him, I want you to shit in front of me. That's I a turn on. I don't want That's him different. To. Well then, but I also, but I also, oh, like I don't actively seek it out as a fetish or something. But also, it's at least do it on my chest. It's fine if he. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, make it useful. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Draw a picture in it. Something. Put a flag in it. Whatever you need to do. What is it? Why are people out there shitting on each other's chest? Because they're into it. I mean, some people are into it. They just like the smell, the feeling, the sensation. And those people, I say, you know. Good for you. I Do your thing behind you're closed not doors. Into it because you don't even want to fart in front of you. If you shit on each other, I'm never coming to your house. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to know you. But I think you should be allowed to do that. Sure. I mean, if ever it's everyone's consenting. There you go. Fucking shit on each other's chest. Just never ever invite me around for hors d'oeuvres. I feel like it's a recipe for an infection of some yeah, kind. It's it is. <laughs> it's the recipe for never having any friends coming over. That's what it's the recipe for. If you found out that your friends did that, would you really not go over anymore? Oh, like God. your good friends. What if you found out they did that? That's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> you tell me. What do you think? If one of your besties said, "Julia, I, I just have to," I've got to be honest. Okay, um, I, I haven't been able to live this out for 30, <laughs> 32 years. And, and I just met a guy and we talked about it and we're both really into, um, you know, it's called brown in the sexual fetish world. You Is know? it? Yellow and brown. Yeah, oh, it's okay. like wee and poo. Yes. And we're really into like, you know, brown play and, and shies <laughs> porn and and it's the thing we do. We do it carefully. You know, we go to the bathroom and he like poops on my chest and I kind of just let my fingers run through it and I like it, blah, blah, blah. It feels oh, really boy. good. like the smell. <laughs> We wash, we clean each other, we clean ourselves and we, you know, we really use bacterial soap and blah, blah, blah. What are you going to say to that person? I'll go over. I just don't know if I'll let them cook for me. See, I don't even want to fucking touch their hands. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? Because I love you and because I care about you, here you go. This is the last one you're getting. <laughs> it was a real pleasure knowing you. And then you're Enjoy. just going to go dunk your hand and then, in alcohol. And, you go, and I'll see you later and I'm going to open the door with the other hand. I'm going to take that hand out. I'm going to walk all the way home. Get some Purell. You're going to cut the hand off. I'm going to chop the hand off and send it to them in the post. And it's going to be in the middle finger Lady like Macbeth that. Lady Macbeth out damn spot at the yeah, sink exactly. for 10 minutes. Out, out damn spot. <laughs> yeah. It's just a poop I see before me. The sweet corn turned towards my hand. It yeah. is interesting. When you do learn things that people are into, you're almost like, you start asking yourself if you can pick up on it in their personality. You're like, did I see this coming? We, I, we, they're, they're, I guarantee we both know someone who has a creepy fucking fetish. In fact, I definitely do because I know a lot of people in that sort of, in the BDSM scene and stuff like that. So I'm sure all of those characters have done some crazy fucking shit I to each other. I know a furry. 
I just, you know, furry. Yeah. Yeah. They're a bit like weird, aren't they? Furry's a bit weird. It's well, yeah. That's because I almost feel like they look like stuffed animals. So yeah. there's almost this childlike element there to it, is. which there's is like, a little I bit. I want a fucking animal, but I also want it to look like, like a like cartoon a character, something that's you know infantized a little bit and cutesy and yeah. adorable. Yeah. There's definitely like a regressive someone, someone somewhere. Who might have been an uncle definitely did something to a plushie. If there's in front anything of them. regressive about it, like dressing like a baby or something, I just kind of worry that there's something that there's stuff going on, yeah. shit going on, yeah. maybe literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could let let a pooping couple be my in my friendship circle. <laughs> but I wouldn't be angry at them. I'd be like, you got to do your thing. But I go like, you know what? Like I, I just I feel my level of hygiene desires. Don't match up with your level of fecal desire. Oh, yeah, you desires. do have that. Well, do you have a dog? No, you don't have a dog, obviously. I'm here. But I would have a dog. I love dogs. I'd love to have a dog. I almost asked if I could bring my dog here today. You could. I, I've had dogs in this apartment. I what I would do, though, is she I... She doesn't shed. Oh, okay. Even She's better. I love that. Yeah. But what I also love is... And yes, you're right. And I, I really want to... Pit bulls are actually really good because they're short hair and they don't really shed that much. I some of them shed a decent amount. Some do, but my friend had one that was like a mixed breed, maybe. It was like pit bull and something else. It was like... had long legs. It looked like a little teenager. Not like a pit bull if it was a teenager. <laughs> long legs, little thin body and like beautiful face. Oh. But he... Uh, Tonto, his name was. But he... Um, he barely shed at all. He was fucking dope. But here's the deal. I would... I. If I had a dog, I don't want the dog in my bedroom, in my bed. That's what you say now. No, no, no. No, no, that's what I would do. And I've talked to my partner about it, and she's the same. She goes, I love pets. I'm telling the- you, it doesn't nah, hold nah. up. Nah, my nah. boyfriend said the same thing. Well, maybe <laughs> this is your boyfriend who shits in front, chooses to come into the shower when you're in there. Wait, well, he never said that he wouldn't do that. This is... <laughs> But that could have been the that could have been the fucking indicator that he's like, no dogs in the bed. All right, dogs on that bed. Like, baby, honestly, I'll never shit. But all right, shit in front of you every time. Here's the deal. What's his name? David, right? Nick. 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 Well, it will be David if you don't buck up your ideas, Nick. Nick. You seem like a really sweet guy. Kind, warm. He was very friendly when I met him and had a good, honest, like kind, good guy face. He does. Uh, handsome, tall. He looks like Paul Rudd. Like who? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. A lot of people think he looks yeah, like Paul bit, Rudd. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. When Heidi Klum and Paul Rudd. That could be your Halloween outfit. That's true. Um, but dude, nah. Stop shitting in front of your girl. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I'm not, and I know you're saying it's okay and I love him so much. And so much but I'm, this is not even to you now. But you're going to have to play in this bit. Nick, stop fucking shitting in front of your <laughs> wonderful girlfriend and i'll tell you why man because you're a man and you have desires and you're going to want to fuck this beautiful lady for the rest of your life and if you want that to happen there will reach a time where the smell of your shit overpowers the desire she feels for you you've got to treat her you've got to treat her in a way that you want someone you're sexually attracted to to be to feel i bet he didn't shit in front of you when you were fucking dating did he no, he no, he did not. No, so show. don't start now, motherfucker. <laughs> Seriously, honestly, like I honestly, I feel like for me personally, that's like a big thing. I just said I won't do gross toilet stuff in front of her because I want us to always keep that kind of allure that when we're naked and our bodies are there, it's sexual, it's enjoyable. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not remotely grossed out by periods or blah 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 blah. blah. I don't give a fuck if we have sex during a time of month where there's going to be some blood. Like none of that. I don't mind if. Not that we not. I, let me let, not give away 
anything about our sex life, but if we did anything that could potentially end up messy, I wouldn't be grossed out or weirded out by that because I'm not a fucking child. I'm a grown adult. But I'm never going to fight in front of her. Although apparently I have done once in my sleep, but I, whatever, I was asleep. Oh, you can't control that. I was asleep. What are you going to do about that? I mean, make enough money to get the memory You've erased. probably done it many, many times. Probably a couple of times. But you know what? <laughs> I, that's forgivable. That's um, true. Also, uh, I always open the car door for her every time we go to the car, even if it doesn't make logistical sense. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, because I want to be 90 and doing that. And I want people to look at us and be like, Oh, look at look at that! Well, I don't know why they sound old. They'd be like, "Oh, look at the look at the old man! Look at the old look at that old man opening the door for his wife. That is that gorgeous, cute. It's a nice thing." And she always leans over and opens the door for me. That's a fucking keeper right there. That is very cute. Nick walks on the side of traffic if we're walking. Perfect, he as he should. Yeah. That's another thing I did. And these small little things. And also, I I also made another decision that I think is very healthy for a relationship. Maybe you agree. Maybe disagree. That if I have a gripe, if I'm upset, if something's going on in my relationship that I feel worked up about, always take the time to go and breathe and think about it objectively before you talk to your partner about it. And also, don't use your partner to whinge about those things or talk about those things. Allow your friends to be the sounding board for a lot of that stuff. It's Because women employ that a lot because women are better. Um, uh, they build better networks of support when it comes to conversation. They're more open. They're available yeah. and emotionally. They mature emotionally before we do and continue to probably. Um, but there was a period where you're like, you know, oh, you got to grow up or you, something's going on and you whinge to your partner. Sometimes you need to just have happy conversation with your partner or talk about the things you love. And sometimes it's all right just to phone your friend out and go, you know what, really pissed off about this thing that happened. And then your buddy will go, bro, it's not that big a deal really, is it? This is like, like blah, a blah, relationship blah. related issue. You're calling the friend to vent about something that happened in the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and and I know that I was susceptible previously of going. I feel a thing. I should immediately say the thing, and then go. It might not even be a thing, bro. Just chill out for a minute. Let it let it happen. See what happens. Talk to your friends about it. Offload, and then you can come and have a a calm, subject, uh, objective, uh, considered conversation with your partner about it, rather than being all emotional. Giving things time is amazingly powerful yeah there's so i mean i'm not always good at it but there's definitely a lot of times where i'm like but also being patient for that time to pass can be very difficult eat a lot of pussy as well that's a great one. Oh, I, okay that's that's one of your rules suck some dick i do that when his stds are in check <laughs> <laughs> wait oh god it's the hour but we're gonna carry on going for a minute if that's right. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned this beforehand. I was like, "Is there anything you don't want to talk about?" Blah, blah blah. Some people don't like to talk about partners. You're like, "Nah, it's all good." And yeah, you know, my boyfriend we talks about his STDs on stage. I'm like, "What?" So what are the STDs? They're knocking around. Um, he has herpes. Which down there, according to medical studies, fucking everyone, pretty does. much yeah. everyone in the world has yeah. it. And then he thinks that he has HPV. It was so funny. He was like, he had something. I've seen a lot of adverts for HPV saying HPV led me to contracting cancer. That's the big billboard I see. And it's a right, lady. because there is a strain of it that can lead to cancer. Really? I what got is HPV? What exactly is it? I actually don't know. Human papillomavirus. Okay. And, well, there's like lots of strains, thousands of strains. What does I, it do? Well, it can do a lot of things from nothing to warts to cancer. It depends on what strain you contract. But I got a vaccine when I was a teenager that protects against 
like 99% of the strains that can cause warts or cancer. Protected. Yeah. And I actually you still- You got some McAfee I still virus, got it. antivirus right now. Yes, that's right. I still got a strain of HPV. They found it in one of my, you know, pap smears, but it never turned into anything. And then okay. went, and then it stopped showing up in my pap smears like three years later because I was vaccinated against the really bad ones. Ah, oh, dope. But Nick thought that he had saw something and he <laughs> called- I can only imagine the receptionist on the other side of this phone call hung up and just like laughed her ass off with her colleagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hear Nick on the phone. He's like so cute. He kind of has like a bro voice. He's like, I need to make an appointment. And they're like, okay, for what? And he's like, I got to get HPV burnt off my dick. And I'm like, that's not. <laughs> 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 like, none of that's correct. I was like, wow. you don't even know if you have HPV. He's laying it out there. They're right? not burning it off like a <laughs> He's been watching too much Game of Thrones, hasn't he? Yeah, you know that that receptionist hung up and was like, you got to listen to what this fool just said on the yeah. phone. <laughs> wow. But to get the war, he means the war yes. burn off or something. Yeah. yeah. frozen off. Yes. It freeze him off, right? But he self-diagnosed that it was HPV, decided it needed to be burnt off, and told the poor lady on the phone he had to have this thing burnt off his Yo, dick. Yo, here's the deal. <laughs> After you're 30 years old, as long as it's not one of the killers, you know what I mean, and one of the, the worst things, I think you got to, we're a bit more well-rounded about like herpes, for instance, everyone has that. Yeah. I don't think I do, but I don't know. Like, you know, I don't think I do. I, I, I have like, I get tested for it every time I get an STD test. That's good. But then also I could have it and it couldn't show up on a test because I might not yeah. be, it might not be active during right. the time you have your test. It's so much shit like that. That shit doesn't bother me, you know, because I think after 30, look, I'm walking around with a fucking hemorrhoid right now. Oh no, really? Yeah. Oh God, I've heard those are terrible. Well, it's actually fine. It's not like any pain. Does it's it weird. Go away by itself. Uh, it was only painful for the first couple of days, and then you use cream and you take like ibuprofen or something to like thin the blood and you know oh, okay. re- reduce swelling and stuff. But it's actually not bad. But that's that's being thirty-five. You know what I mean? Things break. Fucking grapes are gonna pop out your arsehole because yeah. you overstrain for a shit. You're gonna you're gonna make this sound every time you sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I make that sound? It's not effort for me. But every time I stand up and sit down. <laughs> weird right weird sometimes you're gonna come across a little hpv just gotta fucking oh i agree burn that dick wart when i say on stage that my boyfriend has uh stds sometimes people in the audience will groan Ooh. and i'm like grow the fuck up i'm like whoever you are you have hpv right now i promise you yeah. <laughs> you know or like whatever yeah <laughs> and some yeah. people think it's so- hilarious some kind of uti but- i bet there's like half the audience are walking around with utis yeah those aren't that bad Nah. Well, I mean, depends how bad you get them. I had a girl who... I mean, they're bad, but it's not, it's not time, an STD. It's a different thing. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. But it's definitely something about your downstairs areas. And again, though, even a UTI, men don't know that they can have UTIs. And they can actually can carry them around without really having any of the symptoms and then give the woman the, uh, the UTI. I knew someone in college who thought that he had chlamydia or something, and it turned out he had a UTI. And he brought all his bros with him to the to the urgent care thinking he had chlamydia and then had to go out just pouting and they're like what was it and he's like a uti and they laughed at him for months like because they just thought that's a chick thing you know that's definitely a chick thing, <laughs> what you got down there bro pussy yeah. what's going on no way <laughs> fuck you need some hpv like my boy nick <laughs> pussy unbelievable isn't it amazing that that would be like a badge of honor i've only ever had one std i had chlamydia when i was either 18 or 19 i was in new zealand living in new zealand had sex with this girl out there one night stand sex wasn't great and um, I remember at the time thinking that I, I in on reflection, she probably had BV as well. What's BV? Bacterial vaginosis. Oh, oh, sure. Incredibly okay. common with women. Yeah. I have. I can now diagnose it almost. Mm-hmm. Like I've 
for two partners in the last uh, year and a half, two girls I slept with, I immediately knew they had bacterial. You had to send them to the doctor. Well, one of them, I went. I uh, at the end of sex, I was like, "Hey, listen, can we talk about something?" And she was like, "Yeah." And I said, "I want you to be very open and not be, not take my comments as anything mean or anything, and just hear me out." She went, "Okay, all right, I'm a bit nervous." I was just like, there's a little bit of a, an odor when we have sex and blah, blah, blah. And this is what it probably is because I've had ex-partners in the past. You've had it and blah, 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 blah. Very simple. It's a cause of my... The first girl was like, oh, wow, God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. And I said, don't be embarrassed. It's very fucking natural. It can happen because literally my pH and my dick and the pH of your pussy just need to gestate and get used to each other. That's literally what it could be because mm-hmm. it wasn't the first time we had sex and it was the first time there was an odor. She went, got a test, BV, pills, done. The second one, the girl who I actually dated prior to my girlfriend, um, she 100% contracted it after like a few times we'd had sex. And it was clearly because of the sex we were having. And, you know, we weren't using condoms. We were safe, but we got checked out. She was on the pill, but all of that. But, um, but yeah, I was like, I think you have BV. And she was like, ah, no, no, I know my body. I don't. And I went, I mean, would, would you consider just getting checked out for it? Because I'm pretty certain it's. BV. And she's like, ah, you you think you know my body better than I know my body? And it became a whole gender issue. And I went, okay. I mean, I think you could get checked out. And she's like, fine, 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 fine. Anyway, eventually goes and gets checked out a few weeks later. BV. Takes the pills. Blah, blah, blah. But they go, what I'm saying is, you don't have to spend all that money going to just go a gynecologist. Come to me. I'll, give it, I'll give it a little sniff. I'm not going to touch you. I just like, you just pull him down. You know, and I just—that's <laughs> definitely that's a, little, that's a little light BV going on there. I think that's a great skill for a boyfriend to have. The nose for it. Mm-hmm. They said I never amount to anything. Nick yeah, I had have, to I have me. the nose for a very commonplace mild STI. Yeah. Nick had to once tell me that I had an odor, but I wasn't—I didn't have a problem. It was—it was the hottest summer in LA, and we didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> So you just had a smelly pussy. So it was just, but the way. <laughs> and I just like. That's just, amazing. You just the went. Way, no, my no. bad, bro. My bad. No, I just ha- haven't. Oh, it's so funny. Because like the second he told me, I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't embarrassed about the the issue. I was embarrassed that he had been silently suffering for as long as he had. But it was like several times we were. Intimate. Intimate. And, you know. Things just didn't go, you know, the way they mm. normally do mm. for a man. You know, it, you know. <laughs> it killed, and, it killed his, it, yes, his yeah. full mask became a half mask. Yes. And so finally I, I got, I became insecure about it. I was like, oh my God, like, is he cheating on me? Or does, he? I didn't think he was cheating on me. I was like, does See, he not typical woman, immediately blame the man for it. It must be him. <laughs> no, no, I didn't Clearly actually think he was, I guess I was just like, is, is it over between us? Like, and I finally just had to bring it. And because I was having these fears and thoughts. He's like, oh, fuck, I have to tell him. Yeah. And so the way he told me was so funny. He was like, well, he was like, you know, it's just, I just, it's hard for me to just like be in the mood because he's like, it's just been very hot in our apartment. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, you know, we, I don't know what I said, something. And he goes, and he goes, well, and I also, I just think that, I mean, he goes, maybe I should shower before sex. And I said, I think you smell fine. <laughs> and he goes, I mean, we could all shower before sex. And I went, what the hell's going on right now? He goes, we could all shower. I was like, oh, and I connected all the dots immediately. And I was like, oh, I have a smell. And he's like, it's been kind of bad. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me? He's like, you can't just tell a woman that. And I was like, it's very difficult, actually. This is a real, this, this should be in sex education in schools. Yeah. Because 
having com- open conversation. Look at look at how fucking weird guys still are. And and I, I would like to think anyone with half a brain cell isn't like that, or a real man isn't. A real alpha man doesn't have any embarrassment about sexual things and genitals with with a woman or her menstrual cycles or any shit like that. But men are still fucking children, a lot of them, where they're even just like, bro, she's on a period, bro, no. Uh. It's like, motherfucker, you're here because one of those periods didn't happen. That's the That's only true. reason you're here, dude. That's a good so, point. And also, give us a fuck. It's a little blood, man. You think girls want your jizz all over them? Like, <laughs> fucking, like, re- you know what I'm saying? Honestly, we do so much disgusting shit. Your boyfriend, more so than most. I mean, <laughs> taking big old fat dumps while you're trying to shower and clean yourself. But here's the deal. Like, um, I think if they taught that to children, that going, look, conversations about your body are okay. Talking to your partner. If you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and anything doesn't feel right, like the feeling or something hurts or something itches or smells, you need to talk to each other. That's how you avoid yeah. fucking dying. Or contracting something really serious. Or just like becoming removed and not wanting to do it as much and starting to thinking the person that doesn't love you anymore. I 100% have, uh, when I was a young man and didn't know what BV was even, um, I 100% didn't go on more dates with at least two or three girls because there was an odor that didn't feel pleasant to me. And I always pass it off as, oh, I can always tell instantaneously if I'm sexually compatible with women because the smell and the taste just taste perfect and like nothing that's the best taste when your bodies are and your ph is and your 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 natural dna and your genes are so linked up to be able to fuck you taste nothing when you go down a woman it just tastes like I an extension of your skin oh oh i guess sometimes uh women are so like alert so severely allergic to their partner's cocks um no sperm and the only way to fix it, this is a real thing, is they have to eat a little bit of their partner's poop. This is a real thing. It's like it's like about getting your body used to the other person's bacteria. And what I have to say to that is maybe that's just nature Nick, being like, don't be together. Nick, <laughs> what the fuck are you telling your girlfriend, Nick? This is ridiculous, bro. It's bad enough you want to shit in the same room as her. Now you're trying to get to eat Dude, you're with a fucking... You're with a dude who's into poop. This is his way of letting you know. No, he's not the one who told me. But funny enough, when we learned it, we were together. And I said to Nick, Nick, would you would you eat some of my poop? And he goes, you mean more than I already am? <laughs> <laughs> Which well, is not happening. But. Nah, but if you eat the booty, sometimes if you look at... If you look at girls' arsehole, you're going to get minuscule. There's going to be microscopic flecks of fecal matter when you look... Unless she's just fresh out of the bathroom. And even then... Who knows? You need to have a bidet. A little something can work it out. Really yeah, you gotta have it under control. Or an enema. That's about the only way you can cl- clean that shit top to bottom. But if literally. you have to eat your partner's poop to be able to have sex with them and not have an allergic reaction, don't you think that's biology just telling you this is not for this yeah. person is not this must be your brother or your cousin and you yeah, don't yeah. know it or something? If 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 that's the if that's the fucking the get out clause is a spoonful of yeah. you know hot steaming shit. And that's another reason everyone should have sex before marriage. Because imagine if you get married and you learn that shit because you yeah. waited. That would be very bad. Then you're going to get yourself some fucking holy poop. Like, oh, what's the worst that could happen if you wait? You have to eat your partner's that. shit to even stomach being intimate with them. Wow, that's fucked up. But I mean, I do think there is like natural biology that draws us to different people, pheromones. Oh, yeah. And of course, that's all scientifically proven. 
So there are a lot of women that I would have gone, oh God, I just don't feel like drawn to them or there wasn't that sexual desire. However, I do think that the um, there were at least two or three women when I was younger that if I'd known what BV was at that time, if I'd had that education that I now have, I would have probably said, hey, I really like you and, the, and sex is wonderful with you, but there is a little odor and I think it might be because of this, blah, 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 blah. And, and there's a lot of women who go through life and don't even know what BV is and just think that's how their pussy smells. They just go, this is how it is. Right. And if you don't like it, that's because you don't understand my natural... But it's like, no, 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 no. There's a difference between having a healthy um, healthy amount of good bacteria inside of your vagina, which is always in there, and having a smelly pussy. You're a gynecologist, basically. You know? Well, I mean, I don't know if that kind of language would really go down well. Can you imagine if I had a girl's ankles here and I was just going, well, here's the deal. Uh, Mrs. Austin, I mean, I, here's a, here's the deal. I mean, I, I you, you have a you have a wonderful vagina, a great amount of, you know, good positive bacteria, and they're doing the right things. Uh, also, bit of a smelly puss though. Bit of a smelly pussy. It's kind of a, an affront to humanity. This is a new service you're offering. What's going to help is if you get your boyfriend to shit around you a lot. You'll never notice the smell. Neither will he. Maybe that's why he did it. There you go. I can't. I'm never. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> I'm going to have a word with him. I don't, I don't know the guy. We met for, what, 12 seconds? Everyone once? I've told this story has been outraged. They've been outraged? outraged. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to let him know, and I hope you don't mind. It's going to be a thing. I'm going to say, listen, we did a podcast, and i got to tell you, bro, stop shit in front of you guys. <laughs> just because, just because it's so good to maintain a little bit of that romance. Look, when you say to me, and I, I, this is not like, this has become like uh, sex therapy, I guess, or some, and mental therapy for us both i hope <laughs> um i think there's something we have to look at the longevity the realistic nature of relationships i think being uh, monogamous is a very difficult concept for a lot of people i don't think it's incredibly natural to want to only fuck one person for the rest of your life but this is very nice how <laughs> especially when you say it in that voice <laughs> uh in such an adorable way yes it can be nice to share that and to have that commitment to someone absolutely and i think it's it's a more modern concept that maybe over time we will evolve to that will be something that we're naturally drawn to more. And I think for a lot of women, it's easy to have that connection because you have such an emotional connection, especially when you're intimate with someone. For men, it's generally, as a gross generalization, a little easier to separate sex and emotional attachment, you know. Um, however, keeping some sense, just a little, a little, little percentage of... Uh, romantic nuance and 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 not secrecy about the grosser things we do but keeping a little mystery is really fucking healthy for continuing to want to do crazy sexual shit with each other on the regs do you know what i mean well i shut the door and i don't fart in front of him so right. so nick you gotta match that no but it's true he's gonna, he's gonna match that i'm gonna have a fucking word but you're also very much in love and very happy. So as long as you're working in that respect, it doesn't really matter, does it? That's why it. he can get away with anything because I have a higher sex drive than he does. And I better, I need to keep, I need to keep the I think women, license. women always have a higher sex drive than men generally. I kind of feel like that's what I hear from my friends that are in long-term relationships. Absolutely. So like in the beginning, it might be the guy, but as it goes on, it's always the woman who's we like, We always have the sex drive. The difference is, is that women have more of a sex drive. When they are committed and they're in love and they start to build emotional connections and concepts of, of longevity of, of, of a relationship with a man, their sexual appetite for that man becomes more and more, yeah. if it's encouraged especially, yeah. it becomes more and more voracious. And for men, we have a high sex drive but our high sex drive is to want to spread our wild oats everywhere oh yeah 
So we or still have sexual things desire. Things that are novel, I suppose. And that's whatever. that's all it is—the novelty of yeah. a new vagina. That's that's all it is. However, I think that we're able to break that nature versus nurture type type of mentality, and the way to do that is to create the scenario of sexual intimacy with your partner that continues. And one that this is just my way of doing it. My my personal thing is I'm not going to fight in front of her. Definitely not shit in front of her. And I'm going to make sure that I remind myself to tell her how fucking gorgeous she is every time I see her. I do that every time I see her. And oh, then I, and, and we also do some fun fucking. That's good. Fun fuck. You got a fun fuck sometimes. <laughs> When's the last time Nick fucking, you know, you got into the car in a, in a parking garage and he went, hey, baby, when, when, why don't we just get in the back seat? <laughs> I don't think our knees would like that or our backs. <laughs> yeah, they would. You put the seats all the way forward in the front. You push them forward. You've got room back there. Or go a little crazy. Push the seats all the way back in the front. Lay them flat down. And then use that middle area like a little island. And you can sort of straddle that. Not that you have any experience with this or anything. Never done it. You're like, what's the the car? What's the make? What's the model? Here's what you do. I don't even have a girlfriend. This is all made up. Every single type of car, I'll tell you what you do. I'm not even dating. I just, I've created, that was a a lady that I, that was an actress, a professional actress that came out the other night. Yeah. I'm just living voraciously, uh, sorry, vicariously through your relationship. Are these um, porn stars comedians also that you have on? Um, actually, none of the none of the porn actresses who've been on this are stand professional stand ups. No, okay. I do know some who are. I know girls who are um, who used to be in pornography and now in stand up. Okay, but I haven't had them on as a guest. No, I'd like to have different people on. I have predominantly comics. But we've had like adult actresses, so we're like four adult actresses who are friends. They're just friends. They're people I know and I think are very funny and very entertaining. Um, musicians and producers and then actors. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the generally. But I think they all mix together quite well. We're all a little bit dirty. We're all a little bit too, more honest than most people. Yeah. I, I, have to, I, I have to be around people who either are just as honest as me or comfortable with the fact that I am. You know? Do you, does that transpose to your stand-up? Because you... Uh, even though you have like look you have a character on stage as well it's an accentuate an accentuated maybe slightly amplified version of who you are which is very sweet you're kind of you've got that you're certainly more on the you're not an alternative comic but you're certainly on the the more the more oh wow she's like a she's a bit more of a kooky girl you know what i mean oh. if i had to describe sure, sure. look zoe deschanel has an incredible career because she's yeah. gorgeous and, and talented but she's also a little bit oh i'm a little bit twee and so you definitely have that thing on stage but you also what i like is that you undercut that or juxtapose that this kind of sweetness and this just uh, with with very cutting very real very honest lines so clearly you, you take how you like to live in real life and take down to the stage and amplify it yeah i guess i i don't really think about that anymore in fact i was talking to someone about this recently someone who was like three years into comedy and they're like, oh, I'm working on finding my voice. And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it, but I think the day you stop trying to find your voice is around the time that you found your voice. You can't find the the process of finding it is actually just removing tons of walls you have around you as you become more and more comfortable doing stand up, you know, and just chiseling away at what has always been there. And this applies to just general day to day life for every, for every, you know, for the, 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 the normies in the audience as well. Just because yeah. they're not standard comics. Everyone yeah. goes through a process of trying to reach a place where they can find their voice, their personal yes. voice. Yeah, and it really is 
if you're in the, if you're still in a place where you are thinking I am trying to find my voice, then that means that you are consciously doing things and manipulating the way that you are and interact with people. And or it's if you're, not on. It's or not if you're a performer honest. when you're on stage, yeah. So when you say, "Oh, it's, you do a character," I'm like, "Oh, I don't think I do a, a character," but I guess it's because you have a character. I'm not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. it's just what comes out. At no, this point. you have a character on stage, but it's like I say, it's an extension, extension of who you are. Right. And that happens to be, you know, look, people watching this podcast or listening to it online will go, okay, I get it. Yeah, she's she's sweet. She's a little bit kooky and out there and something she says. If they're watching it, they're going to go, but she's also an attractive girl. But then juxtapose that with stories about her boyfriend's STIs and, <laughs> and you know, him shitting in the in the room next to her. Like, those, those are funny things. That's a lovely way to be. Yeah. But it's oh, who oh, you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no worries. It's funny. But it's also, honesty is not something a lot of comics, even though we profess to be the last bastion of free speech and honest thought and saying what no one would dare really say, even though we all think it. I think more so now than ever, comedy has become uh, inundated with lies. There's a lot of lies in comedy. Can you... Can you give me an example? No, because I'll well, either I mean, come I... off embittered or oh. I will I will upset someone who doesn't deserve that. I'm not saying their comedy's not good, but I think there's a lot of mainstream comedy that I watch now. Mm. And I go, nah, you didn't. Nah, you haven't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nah, that's not what you think. Or, yeah. or they'll say things that are uh, barely even comedy constructs anymore. They're more just like, here's me being an, an orator saying... Um, virtue signaling through my comedy. There's a lot of pandering going on. There you go. Pandering is the word days. I was looking for. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Or also like when people go out of their way to paint themselves as insecure and quirky or whatever. So I, I a lot of times see male comics. I a lot of times see attractive male comics do that. And I'm like, shut up. You're obviously hot. You obviously don't have those concerns. Like don't, I, what I mean, not that, not that, not that an attractive guy can't, but it's like, I can just tell they're exuding a thing that they are doing and creating up there that they think, oh, people will find this likable. Right, okay. But I'm like, I like a big beautiful guy on stage playing like he's the beta and he's very like, I'm very shy and awkward and that's, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, I and don't that, do that. And I mean, there are, but some, I also do highlight, I'm, look, I'm a, I would consider myself a, a striking presence on stage. I'm six foot fucking four. Do you know what I mean? I wear all those rings, yeah. the long hair, the skinny jeans. I'm peacocking hard. I definitely I judged you when I met you. Yeah, absolutely. As, <laughs> I'm and sorry. As, no, no, no. As everyone in every audience ever does. But I try not to treat will. people anyway based on a prejudgment that I have. Like I'll still treat them just like the way that I'm proud to speak to people. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be cold to you because I assume you're this or that. But, yeah. but, but it did run through my head. That's because you're mature. <laughs> and because you've grown to a place where you understand that just because aesthetically someone presents a certain um, aesthetic or voice or whatever doesn't necessarily mean that's what defines who they are. Right. I struggle getting on stage and talking about it's talking as self-deprecatingly as I normally do and about how much how all my weaknesses and my fragilities because um, people go. Nah, you ain't got problems. Look at you. 6'4", man. You look all right. I think... I, you're, I, ca- you're strong. I feel like you when you've st- done it, I could tell that it's honest. I can tell when someone is putting on a thing that they think the audience will like mm. versus just speaking their truth. I yeah. mean, so, you know, sometimes like... Maybe sometimes they fool me. You know what I mean? But what I'll say is... They always get caught out. Those guys get caught out. 
Look at them all. All the fucking dudes. I mean, I feel like it's been a great time for for outing how I loved seeing guys who've pretended like they're just, I'm just a sweet little guy. And, and you find out, oh, no, you're a fucking rapist or a pervert or a yeah. creep or whatever. Oh, I'm not threatening. Nah, you're the most threatening. And I actually quite liked seeing that happen because I do think there's enough guys who are, uh, even though I, I don't like to define based on the state, when a, a big, tall, okay looking guy walks on stage and is clearly peacocking and you know has that confidence i have an outward confidence on stage that doesn't necessarily align with my um lack of confidence in my own self-worth but talking about that i think is interesting and funny that's like a funny thing to go oh fuck yeah, great and for an funny. audience member they can go oh good i thought you were a douchebag because the way you look but now that you've told me that you fucking hate yourself i'm like oh okay oh, no, me like too you. let's yeah. be friends and that's kind of the beauty of it. But you're right. There's a lot of, uh, there was, you know, that, that period. We're redefining what it is, especially as a man in comedy, to be uh, to be strong or to be alpha or to be confident or to be beta and to be, you know, uh, an ally. Like you can be an ally in alpha and be very confident in your masculinity and still be an ally. There's to one form of male ally that I really don't like, which is actually the ones who just talk about how terrible men are. Like, the men who hate men as a way of pandering to women. I really don't. Yeah. I, I, and most I, women don't agree with that. I don't. I My boyfriend put things in a very concise words recently. And he said, it seems like the trend lately is to hate in the right direction. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that either. You know, Virtue signaling. Yeah. yeah I don't, kind of I really don't. I mean, I mean, if I can say something that might get me hated on here, I don't like the incredible influx of jokes about, straight white men and how they're all terrible and they should die because yeah because i oh it's late it's late it's also lazy hack comedy i I, well i'm just i I mean i'm just i know a lot of comics who do that but it's just never okay to make a blanket statement about like one group of people those people will be incredibly popular for the next two or three years i've been open specials someone literally said that they were starting a religion or movement in which all straight white men would be executed and she got a standing ovation and i was like I mean, I hope this makes it into a Comedy Central special, but I don't think it will. You know what I mean? And, or even if it uh, does, like I say, that person will have a brief flash in the pan of excitement because social climate and yeah, 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 we yeah. agree with that. And everyone, no one wants to appear like yeah. they're not in support of something like that. But this will all funnel out. The best the best uh, gay men, lesbian women, transgender people, uh, people of color and women in comedy, they don't hate white straight dudes. I was going to say, I, I think... I I like moving things in the direction you want them to. I think should be about highlighting the strengths and the attributes about about a group that maybe hasn't been admired or respected the way they should yeah. versus just hating and shitting on the other group. And and I and I, don't get me wrong, it's sometimes fun to shit on people. And so and I understand I, there and are a place definitely for that in I of course understand that yeah. there are definitely individuals in the straight white male community that deserve it but the truth is when you make a blanket statement there are sometimes people make those comments and i'm thinking i'm sure some of your friends are straight white males sure, and now like, you have to your go look them in the face was a straight white male right, or lady. Something, or yeah yeah uh, that's my worst white girls white straight women are actually the worst people right now that's talking about, they did come from a straight white man didn't they they literally sure. came from him and nine <laughs> times out of ten if they're that white college educated straight woman they not only came out of a straight white man, they grew up with incredible privilege because of that straight white man. They sure. benefited their entire lives. Yeah. And just because they retweet something Alyssa Milano posts or you know use a hashtag that seems to be on vogue for that month doesn't mean they're at the fucking march at Pershing Square or that they 
called up their local governor to contest something that's trying to be passed, a bill that's trying to be passed, or made phone calls to their Senate. Or like those people don't do that shit because yeah. they're virtue singers. They just want to appear popular. But those motherfuckers get caught out. Like, I don't know. Here's the deal. Like, I'm not ashamed of being masculine. I'm not ashamed of thinking that I'm alpha. I'm, I think it still goes within the scope of being an alpha male to treat women with respect, to also have my own set of fucking insecurities. That's alpha. Like, the fact that I can acknowledge that. That's fucking alpha. But then there's also other alpha elements that are a bit old school, that if someone hits my friend, I'll knock you the fuck out. Or if someone grabs my oh, girlfriend's sure. ass in a club, I'll open your head up. That's is that a little negative sign? Sure, but that's part of who I am as a well-rounded. But it's also kind of individual. part of just being protective of someone you love. In the same way that if I were out with a female friend and a man assaulted her, I would also take action. Fuck you know, yeah. it's like it's just you kind get of... your boyfriend over, he'd shit in your <laughs> fucking house. That's right. <laughs> Nick would you give him a little bit of bathroom. HPV, throw some of that his that's way. Right. Like enjoy the rest of your life in your shit smelling <laughs> HPV filled house, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We'll go spread our seed all over their place. But no, you have a point in the sense that there are there are things that are still like I remember I was in I was in New York once and I was holding a bunch of things and I tripped and they flew everywhere. And this guy walked by me and I went to NYU at the time and I knew this guy and he was like such a hipster and talked a lot about being a feminist and he made fun of alpha males a lot and he didn't help me pick up my things. Mm. And I was just like so that's not called being a feminist. It's called being an asshole. You mm. know what I mean? Like mm. anyone who was standing there should have helped me get up and pick up. It also things. sounds like a third wave feminist. Like I've I've been very like vocal on this matter, at least in my with my friends and on podcasts. I'm a feminist in the core value of what that means, which means political, economic, and social rights for women equal to those of men. I want that to happen. I'm also an equalitist more than a feminist. I'm an equality. I want political, social, and economic rights for all people equal to all other people. However, third wave feminism seems to be skewed towards m- hatred of men. Like men are what the problem is with life. Right. Now, I'm not going to say that there aren't plenty of fucking problems that men have, you know, created, encouraged, uh, dominated, and continue to do so throughout history. Of course there are. Of course there fucking are. But, you know, there's there's a lot of shit to sort out, and I don't think it all falls on the white straight men. Um, no, I definitely, yeah, I mean, like I said, I could be persecuted for even... Not possibly suggesting these types of jokes we have are, a very balanced audience you know here. i mean like i was saying I, my friend who's a lawyer was saying oh you know straight white men do need to have more of a sense of humor about themselves and i said for at large absolutely i said within the comedy community as someone who perhaps listens to i don't even know let's say 50 comedy sets a week because i am in that world i in those 50 sets might literally hear 42 jokes about how straight, straight white men should die or the worst. And so, you know, I'm sitting there next to my boyfriend who's a straight white man, and I'm like, wow, I wonder what it would be like for me if 70 to 80% of the jokes that I had to listen to every night were about oh, how my group should girls, die. White girls are just yeah. fucking the worst. Yeah. It's and just- actually, you guys need to hear that because it's, it's true. <laughs> Isn't it true? I mean, where were you during the... Where was the equality when the world wars were going on? When was, where was the equality when you had to fight tigers in the wild to get food? There's no equality then, and that was all right. Andrew Schultz does a bit about that. Oh, See, funny. there's a comedian who's like testing the water, and he, he, he airs, he walks that fine line between, is he being a bit fucking alrighty, brotastic, blah, 
And it's like, nah, I'm making jokes. And if you don't understand the concept of the jokes that where I pick apart everyone, whether you're a white straight dude or a fucking black dude or a, a gay lesbian chick or a, you know, a gay man or a transgender, it doesn't matter. We've lost the ability to laugh ourselves. However, there are great comics like you and I out there doing it every night. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. And sometimes we kill, like you did the other night. Sometimes we bomb, like I did. And that's all right. That's or like the, I did a year ago. A year ago. And many times since then. <laughs> which has proven my fact, which is I've become only a worse comedian since I moved to LA. And you're only getting better as time goes on. Oh, you know, you, you just had one step where you were asked to leave the that stage. you know of. <laughs> <laughs> By an audience member as well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, beautiful. Well, I'm glad you got support. And also, you're not going to get any hatred from that. I do genuinely believe that my audience is a real mixture of uh, all genders, races, sexualities, but also more so politically. I have a lot of Democratic and Republican. I've got a lot of left, a lot of right. What I do think is that we're creating a wonderful fucking community here of savages, savage snowflakes, who are... Um, who are well balanced in the way yeah. they see in the world. Just because you look a certain way or you're a certain skin color or a certain gender or a certain sexuality or you vote a certain way doesn't mean you're a, a, an abhorrent piece of shit. And that is how we will start to come back together as a community, a global community, to understand that, yeah, you're a little different in this way. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean we can't connect on other things. You know, that's what we're trying to, trying to bring back, I hope. Great people, great comics. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good goal. Well, I'm glad you took time out of your day to come and oh, share a little bit of that with my audience. This is very nice. Yeah. Thank you very much, Julia Austin. And um, if people want to find you, it's J Austin 123. No. Shit. J Austin 23. That's okay. J uh, Austin 327. Fuck, I knew it was three numbers. On Instagram. And I don't I really tweet, I but I do do a lot on Instagram. You do do a lot on Instagram. But I don't tweet really. Okay, so austin 327 on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What about uh, a website where they can find, where can people find out where you're doing live shows and stuff like that? It's probably the best. I don't have a live shows thing up yet. I mean, I will always post about that on Instagram, but okay. I do have a website called juliahosts.com where I have a lot of sketches I've filmed and... Um, like the Heidi I, Klum character. I think those are on there. I also nice. have a little series where I host the dog park un uninvited. Um. Hang on, wait. Explain <laughs> that. So what's that? what happens in that? Uh, I mean, I don't always go in with a plan. I go in with a plan. Like today, this is the question I'll be asking dog owners. But <laughs> and so it's like no one ever it's like goes Billy along on the with street the... for dog parks. Yes, yes, yes. That's fucking beautiful. Yeah. What kind of questions do you ask? What are the hard hitting questions you're asking? Well, it's is... not. It's never about the questions because it always leads to something else. Like in the first one, there became this mystery about a missing dog. You know. And and then I started asking people what they knew about the dog, and, and it became like a murder mystery, like a yeah. super sleuth. Yeah, that's right. And then there was. We thought, we thought like the, the drinking water seemed a little funny and I thought, oh, maybe this dog was like Aaron Brockovich. He knew something was wrong with the drinking water and then someone took her out. You know, I don't <laughs> know. The point is it always goes like off the rails, like not what we thought. Was if you happen. love dogs, <laughs> questions, a little kookiness and conspiracy theories, this is the space to go to. That's right. Awesome. And that's all available on YouTube as well, I'm guessing, if they just search yes, Julia Austin. Julia Austin, that's all. And find it. Amazing. Thanks so much. Keep doing what you're doing. You're Thank incredibly you. talented and I'm excited to perform with you again and hopefully next time, I won't suck a fat dick. No, you won't. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> or maybe I will if I get really good at the end of the set. Uh, thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.